The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week is the Operations Manager for Musician on a Mission, a web platform that provides resources and courses for musicians to learn and excel at home recording and mixing. He contributes to popular music blogs such as Bandzoogle, and you can find out more about his work by visiting www.musicianonamission.com. We are happy to have Dustin Speckman on the Break the Business Podcast. Hey, Dustin. How's it going? It's going great. I just finished reading again the excellent blog article you wrote in Banzoogle back in December about how artists can get started in home recording, and I've been itching to talk to you about it. But before we get into that article, let me ask you a more foundational question about home recording. Sure. What would you say to indie artists who currently don't do any home recording? They do all their recording elsewhere. Maybe they have somebody else do their recording for them, and they don't know how to make their own home recordings. Why would you say it's important for them to learn this skill and embrace recording at home? So there's a ton of reasons why recording at home uh, is a good idea, whether it's uh, to kind of be completely independent and do everything on your own, uh, or even if you do have someone that you uh, record with frequently or, or get professionally recorded, um, it's always great to be able to get ideas down and to have kind of a working um, draft of a song uh, before you even go into somewhere else. And then on the other side of that, if you are recording on your own, obviously having the skills and the proficiency to do that on your own can save costs, can save time, save any headache of having to go somewhere else, rely on someone else uh, to do that. So those are kind of the two main reasons. I'm inclined to agree with all that. I, I think artists of all stripes and of all genres, whether your finished product's going to be recorded at home or somewhere else, it's still good to have home recording somewhere in the process. And so I'm thrilled that you wrote this article in Banzoogle called Four Steps to Get Started in Home Recording. And listeners, if you haven't checked this article out, I definitely advise that you do. In the article, Dustin, you you tell artists that one does not need to be make a big upfront investment and buy every piece of hardware and software that's out there to get started in home recording. But instead, you say that the two most important virtues for musicians to embrace when getting into home recording is minimalism and consistency. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So you'll find very quickly when you get into recording uh, that there's a lot of uh, hype about gear, whether it's a microphone or a preamp or uh, some kind of software, some kind of plugin. And there's a ton of great stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. There's there's a bunch of great stuff that people are making. Uh, but when you're first starting, it can be very, very overwhelming to kind of be inundated with all of those options, all of those kind of deals and different things kind of flashing their lights at you and trying to get your attention. <laughs> um, so I always advise and, and uh, we always advise kind of the musician on a mission team in general. Uh, so when you get started, just start with something really small and don't overwhelm yourself with a bunch of different options uh, because you'll get really frustrated um, really quickly. And recording yourself is already, you know, uh, you know, it's not necessarily super complicated, but there's a lot of steps that go involved that are involved in it. And, you know, you really want to just simplify it as much as possible. And, you know, you want to have those big wins and those easy wins right up front. And if you kind of have a piece of gear that you know really well right off the bat and you're getting good results off of it, 
uh, through just practice and just using that one thing. Uh, it's a really big confidence booster and it helps just kind of uh, helps your progression, helps you uh, stay excited about recording yourself. And now I know this is something that you're going to probably say varies from musician to musician and situation to situation. So I'm, I'm sort of mentioning that on the front end, but what is one particular piece of equipment that even if you're embracing a minimalist approach, like you advise in your article, is there a particular piece of equipment that you would advise artists to not skimp too much on that that's particularly value valuable to try to get something with a little bit of heft and quality behind it? Sure. Yeah. I would say for, for most people, uh, buying a, a good microphone is going to be your best option. Um, a lot of the audio interfaces and, and other kind of gear, microphone cables, microphone stands, things like that. Um, you can get those, you know, as long as you're not buying bottom of the barrel stuff on that, you're kind of buying in that mid area. You don't have to be spending, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on those other things. Um, but getting a microphone that, especially for, for singers and things like that, getting a mic that really suits your voice, you know, try a few out, see what is in your budget. Um, getting one that really fits your voice and stuff can really help too, as far as uh, having success home recording, because, you know, different mics suit different people, uh, different people have different voices that works for different ways. So um, if you're looking for something like that, that's definitely where I'd say um, if, if you have the, if you have the means uh, put a little more into the microphone. Do you have any specific mic recommendations if you're looking for good dollar for dollar value in your home recording? Yeah, there's so many. I mean, every I think every manufacturer now has like a like a two hundred to three hundred dollar condenser microphone that are I'm using like right now on this podcast. I'm using a Blue Spark that was one ninety nine. I bought it like eight years ago, I think now. And it's a really solid little mic. It's not perfect for everyone. It's not perfect for everyone's voice. And not perfect for every instrument, but no mic is. Um, but you can get, um, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about kind of getting, uh, to a limit where you don't necessarily have to go, you don't have to have that like hundred percent amazing quality, uh, that, you know, thousands and thousand dollar studios have, if you can get 80% of the way there with the gear that you have, that's going to be really, really good. And at that point, um, you know, just kind of the, the performance and all that stuff comes before even the microphone. If you have a decent microphone in that two $300 range, um, and you have a good performance, it's going to sound really, really good. Um, so as far as like specifics, Blue makes a really good, the Blue Spark that I spoke of is a really great microphone. You can never go wrong with a Shure SM57. That thing can record almost anything. Uh, always a great mic to have. Um, and then besides that, the the Rode NT1A is also a really, really great microphone. And, and that one comes, that one's a really nice one because it comes with some accessories and things that you can use as well. So off the top of my head, those are, those are some good ones. All solid choices. So let's move from equipment now to process. One of the things that I really thought was cool about your article is you talking about the importance of reference tracks in the home recording process. Mm-hmm. Can you tell the listeners what is a reference track and what does it do for an artist for their recording project? Sure. So a reference track is really just any track that you listen to or kind of it's in the name reference or kind of look into uh, to kind of get an idea of balance, um, arrangement. You can use it for a lot of things. I use it a lot for, you know, when you're actually pre-recording, when you're arranging and you're kind of putting parts together and kind of deciding how many guitar parts do we need? How many of this do we need? Um, What is the sound that we're kind of going for? And you never want to just use these reference tracks to just directly copy or anything, but you can get a good idea if you're recording a rock song, you go, I really like how this song sounds and listen to it and go, okay, so what's the, what are the guitars doing? What kind of frequency space are they taking up? Um, and you can kind of plan for that in the recording phase so that 
you're not necessarily copying the guitar tone exactly, but you can go, hey, we want to make sure our guitars are kind of living in this area uh, in the frequency spectrum. And then when you get to mixing, you can pull that song right into your mix and compare one to one and really kind of, you know, go through the different parts of the frequency spectrum, listen to the bass, listen to the, to the, to the upper low end, to the mids, to the high end, all that, and kind of compare yours. And, and you, it's, it's really kind of, it's almost like a cheat code. It just kind of really uh, very quickly illuminates where your, your mix might be lacking. And then the other thing on top of that for people mixing and recording in the home studio, um, you know, we don't always have beautifully, amazingly treated rooms. Uh, so we don't always have the the luxury of knowing exactly if things are sitting in the right place. So listening to a professionally mixed track that was recorded in a large studio in your home studio and you on your setup can really help illuminate, oh, wow, even on this pro track, my bass is really loud in my room. So you may have to bump your bass up in your song quite a bit to make it match the pro track. And it might sound a little weird in your room, but you know that when you go out to your car, when you listen on ear pods, when you go out anywhere else and listen to it, that's going to translate really well. Without a doubt. There's a lot of great value in reference tracks. I think that musicians can use them not only to help build a really good song just by sort of following the best practices that you might hear in a great recording, as you said, but it's also a great way to just learn about home recording by sort of listening to what makes great tracks great and, and learning along the way. So in this idea of learning, let's, let's take it to the, let's take it all the way to the, uh, for the (laughs) novices here. For the musicians out there who want to get into home recording and are starting from Z-E-R-O zero, don't know a thing about it, what would you say they should do first? How do you even begin to start learning this stuff? So the first thing is really just to know kind of what your needs are, I think. Um, If you're a singer-songwriter and you're just playing your guitar and singing, you don't need a ton of gear. You know, you really don't need a lot to get started, which is great. Um, if you're a larger band and you really want to uh, record your entire band with a, with a full drum set and, you know, everyone at, at the same time or anything crazy like that, then there's a lot more that goes into that. Obviously, you just going to have to know where you're coming from. And then from there, just look into kind of what makes sense for your band. Obviously, again, everyone's got a different budget. Everyone has a different uh, means. If you're in a band, maybe you can all pull together some money and buy some gear for the band. If you're on your own, obviously, it becomes a little bit harder to, to, to afford a bunch of gear for everyone. Um, but really just kind of figure out where you're, where you're at and see what you're going to need. You know, singer-songwriter might need two guitar, or excuse me, two microphones uh, to record a guitar and a vocal. Uh, where a band might need, you know, six, seven, eight mics to record a drum set and then from there record guitars and all that kind of stuff. So I would just say start with kind of what your what your music sounds like, what how many people are there, what do you need to record? Uh, even with a big band, think about if you need to have a big interface that has eight channels and a bunch of microphones. Maybe you can get away with um, four mics on a drum set and then recording everyone else uh, after. And that can save you money because you're not having to buy a bunch a bunch more mics and a bigger interface, a more expensive interface. So there's things like that to, to think about um, as you get started. All great, very excellent, excellent points. So uh, towards the end of your article, Dustin, you talked about something that I think is not just good advice in terms of recording, but sort of good advice in completing any major undertaking or any kind of project. And it's the importance of setting deadlines for yourself to make sure that you're getting, in your case, recording projects done quickly. Um, I'm interested in sort of what that looks like for you in practice when you're doing a recording project. Like, how do you sort of take your big deadline of finishing the project and breaking it down into smaller deadlines to get you to the end of your uh, endeavor? 
Sure. Yeah. So the most important thing is definitely setting realistic ones too. I know, I think uh, everyone's kind of had big goals that they were like completely overshot and they were like, Oh shoot, that was way too much for this amount of time. And you kind of <laughs> learn that over time, but the biggest thing is setting a realistic uh, uh, deadline. So really depends, you know, are you recording a single, are you recording an EP, are you recording an album? And then kind of just think about what, um, how long that's all going to take. And again, as you're starting, you'll kind of learn the process and see, and it takes different amount of times for different people, for different, you know, instruments and all that kind of stuff. For me, it's, you know, really comes down to, okay, how many songs are we recording? Um, what is the instrumentation? Is it a full band? Is it going to be a singer songwriter or something, you know, in between a three piece band or something like that. And then it's like, okay, let's set, you know, we can do, we're going to do three songs in three months. And then at that point, it's kind of like, okay, let's just chunk it down and say, okay, drums are probably going to take um, a week of, of planning and we got to have everything set up, get the gear together. So let's say this weekend, we're going to do drums. And then we know that, you know, the next weekend after that, we're going to do bass, next weekend after that, guitar, so on and so forth. Um, and then just leave time in for, you know, any editing you're going to have to do, any uh, mixing that you're going to have to do, decide whether you're going to do uh, any of the mastering, you know, things like that um, will help you kind of determine what your deadline can be. Um, and what that does, though, is just really kind of tightens up your your schedule for yourself and kind of takes some of the guessing game out of it. Because uh, if you just kind of go, we're going to do three songs and you just kind of say that uh, sometimes what can happen is you can kind of get drawn out and you can start kind of getting into some perfectionism, too, where if there's no deadline, you just kind of keep going and maybe you go back and re-record that part because it just it wasn't totally perfect or you're kind of stuck on this one part of mixing and you just never kind of get over that hump. And uh, setting a deadline just kind of makes you go, well, we're going to release these songs on, you know, whatever day it is. So we just got to kind of power through and good is good and, and keep going. And what you'll find is that you might feel like maybe you're, you're not giving the perfect thing or, or you're, you're letting it down or whatever, but you'll find that really at the end of the day, when you finish something that that's always, that's always better than just having things that are just sitting on your computer, uh, never released, never, no one, no one is ever hearing them. Um, so the most important thing is just to finish and get things out. And over time, you'll improve, you know, as, as you go on, you'll learn more and you'll learn from your mistakes. You'll you'll go back to listen to those songs and go, ah, I did this a little bit weirdly. I'll do this better next time. And it's just a cumulative thing. The more you do, the better you get. That's really interesting. So it sounds like deadlines can serve two functions. One, it actually makes sure that you get the project done on a reasonable schedule. But two, it also sort of prevents you as an artist from doing one too many brush strokes on the canvas. At some point you say, okay, here's the date where I'm going to call it. And, and what we have is what we're going to have. And we're going to, you know, avoid the uh, over-perfectionism as you, as you noted. Exactly. Yeah. Really excellent. It's, uh, it's it definitely, that that's something that I know plagues a lot of people, especially working from, from home, doing your own thing. There's no outside pressure really from, from, you know, uh, another person you're working with or a label necessarily, it's kind of all on you. Uh, so setting, even if it's an artificial deadline, just kind of, and try to really uh, abide by it can really, really help your workflow. Listeners, we've gotten a lot of great advice from our guests this week, Dustin Speckman. And believe me when I tell you folks, there's a plenty more where that came from. You can find out more about his work and all the great platforms and courses that his organization offers by going to www.musicianonamission.com. Tell the listeners a bit about some of those services that are on that platform, if you could, Dustin. Sure. Yeah. So we do um, a ton of content on uh, recording and mixing specifically for the home studio. A um, bunch of different stuff on anything like we talked about today, like microphones, uh, sound treatment, uh, studio monitors, audio interfaces, anything like that. If you're interested, you can go. We have some good list of, 
uh, some stuff that you might be interested in for that. And then on top of that, a lot of methodology, a lot of tutorials on how to do different things. Um, and then aside from that, so we have a blog that we have a bunch of free stuff on uh, up on there. We have a YouTube channel you can check out with a ton of free videos. And then on top of that, we have a few paid courses that you can check out if you're interested. Awesome. Uh, check it out again, listeners, at musicianonamission.com. Dustin, before we let you go this week, one last question that we ask all of our guests. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? You know, I think the biggest thing uh, is just, you know, being authentic to yourself. And um, I think that's one of the fun things about home recording is you kind of have all the room to experiment and uh, try some things that maybe uh, you wouldn't try if you were doing it with someone else or had kind of had a time constraint um, somewhere else. So I think just being yourself and uh, being as original as you possibly can, uh, breaking rules, you know, being uh, just super original is, is the most important thing. That's such a good point. Listeners, we talk about this on the podcast all the time, how more than ever in the indie music industry, your fans crave authenticity more than ever. They know that because you're an independent artist, you know, there's not going to be as much packaging around you. They're just going to get something raw and real. And nothing's more raw and real than a home recording and being able to make a great one. So uh, fantastic insight, Dustin. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast. Thank you.